The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, it's Matt Michaels here on The DeFalco Files with the owner and creator of FSW, the future stars of wrestling here in Las Vegas, Mr. Joe DeFalco. Joe, how you doing after this weekend's, uh, this past weekend's Against all odds, what a show, what a time. Are you feeling uh, good about it after uh, the uh, couple days that we've had here? Yeah, you know, there were there were, there were some hiccups in the, in the, in the Rumble match and, and, you know, a couple things here and there. But overall, uh, you know, it was a tremendous show, you know. And more importantly, you know, we had a bigger walk up and we, we ended up having to use all the chairs. So... You know, we were expecting, you know, three to four hundred and we probably had, you know, at least five hundred because there's five hundred chairs there and people were standing. And, you know, there's always some chairs that are open, but, you know, you could see and the atmosphere was great. And and one thing that somebody noticed that pointed out to me that there was a lot more uh, kids in the audience that were were enjoying the show. And bottom line is we, we try to present ourselves, I like to say, PG-13. You know, we don't go crazy, but we, we have no issues with the little language. And, you know, in, in that sense, you know, it is violence. It, it's, it's professional wrestling. And, you know, I wouldn't feel uncomfortable if I had a seven-year-old at the show. And, yeah. and that's what we've always strived for. But for some reason, we've always been... And, and again, wrestling is a lot that way also, you know, unless you're WWE, it, it is that 20 something plus male crowd and you right. sprinkle in some kids and you sprinkle in some women. But in reality, getting more kids is great because if they had a great show and they loved it and they got to meet a couple of the wrestlers who were nice to them. You know, mommy and daddy might be like, yeah, yeah, we're, we're cool. You know, we like those casino shows, but, you know, we're going to pass. And it's like, yeah, but daddy, Matt Vandergriff said he was going to be there. And I love Matt Vandergriff or, or whatever it is. And it's like, and then it makes the, you know, the families buy a ticket. And, yeah. you know, they're the spark that really gets people there. You know, we have a lady, Tiffany, she comes with her two, three kids all the time. Like the husband don't even come, doesn't like wrestling. And, you know, but the kids do. And it's like once in a while I won't see the kid and it'd be like, oh, oh, he was punished. She was punished. You know, she didn't do that. You know that she didn't deserve to go. You know, she didn't do what she was supposed to do. And I've seen parents where, you know, they trick their kids into making sure they get good grades and and their homework done. So, you know, it was good to see a, a good turnout of. The, an eclectic, an eclectic crew instead of just seeing a whole bunch of guys, you know, yeah. watching the stuff. So, and you know, maybe that helps with having Viva Van and Maserati on the show, and and 
And because of the women's movement and in professional wrestling, it gets more of the younger girls. You know, I see that in the training. You know, we have seven or eight uh, women who train with us now. And in the kids class, there there's, you know, more more girls in the kids class than there had been, say, five years ago. So, you know, thankfully to the, you know, Charlottes and Sasha's and Naomi's and, and that whole crew of women, it's gotten yeah. girls who, you know, we've, we've had brothers and sisters come in and the brother kind of washes out and the sister's the one who sticks around. So, sure. you know. Um, you know, along those lines, I think the main event was going on and Viva was, she was, you know, coming from the backstage area to go to the table to, you know, sit down and sell her goods. She didn't make it. Halfway so you're there. saying that she undercut the main event. Is that what you're saying? Well, she made it halfway to the table and there must've been about eight to 10 little girls. She didn't even get to the table because they right, all right. converged on her. And it was just unreal to watch. Like it was idolization in these young girls eyes. The excitement was like, just you could kind of feel it and it yeah that, that that would be wonderful if one of our camera people caught that but i'm assuming they probably were more you know uh, focused on the on the match but yeah it's yeah. that's why it's always nice to have that person around you know b-roll thing you know yeah yeah um especially in an environment like that too i know when uh i thought one of the the coolest sounds was the sounds during the rumble of the kids, you know, almost collectively having that, that uh, reaction. And you got the, you got the baseline of, like you said, the 20 to 30 to 40 year old men, and you have a certain cheer sound that comes from that audience. But when you hear those little screeching voices all at once, it just it's like it, it, I don't I don't see how there's a better feeling than hearing that when you're inside the ring. Because I, I, I didn't realize how popular I made Santana Jackson. Yeah, right. You know, <laughs> uh, imagine if he came out as uh, as Mike Rodriguez. Yeah. Right. Which is what he wanted to do. You know, that was his plan to draft. Not Mike Rodriguez. I'm making up the right. name. But sure. he came to a wrestling school, ours, and he wanted to be a wrestler. And there was no thoughts in his mind that, hey, I'm going to be the tribute artist, Santana Jackson, as a wrestler. I'm the one who presented him that idea at for Beers and Body Slams which we actually did at a, a little shithole on uh, off, Fre not even on Fremont. It was off there on that fourth street or whatever it was. Yeah. It was in the back of like this gaming venue and, uh, you know, a star was born, the Moonwalk DDT with the stratosphere in the background. And it got, there was so many outlets, ESPN and, and, and all these outlets where, it got to be 8, 10, 12 million views. Yeah. And that was the catapult to actually get us on Fremont Street. 
because you know they they wanted the show there. Yeah, Jonathan over at the Nerd Bar. Yeah, you know before that all crashed and burned, but that was the reason why we got in there was yeah. because of the success of Santana. Yeah, and, and then the crowd, and, we, and you know we we used them at the Halloween show and. You know, he had a good response, but you got to remember at the Halloween show, there's 130 people that the majority of people have seen him there numerous times. And it's it's the regular fan base who know of him. And now all of a sudden, you know, you combine the people who do know him with this guy coming out as Michael Jackson and and the kids. And then he does his little thing and. Man, were they were they pissed off at Carlito for eliminating him? I'll tell you that. Yeah, I think that was the biggest uh, the biggest boo of the night was that elimination. Yeah, because, I, I'm pretty yeah. sure it was. Uh, you know, there was there was a lot of big pops. Like Toa Leona got a great response for making his return. Uh, yeah. Masters and Carlito hugging. After it looked like they were about to break up, the, the crowd was uh, very happy uh, to see see the big hug. And Masters got the big pop for tossing Carlito after Carlito tossed uh, Santana. So, yeah. you know, there, there was a lot of fun and frolic going on in there. Yeah, uh, it, it definitely was a, um, a well-put-together uh, rumble for – I mean, you look at just alone Ice and uh, Damian Drake, Ice Williams, Damian Drake starting the match, and they must have gone, what, 40, 45 minutes each? Yeah, because when I was asking what time it was, it was that match actually lasted over an hour. Okay. Yeah. So. Which yeah. is hard to understand at one minute intervals. It should have been thirty minutes, and I know the last part wasn't thirty, so I don't know. But again, you know the early introductions by the time. So I'm going to assume that the rumble, the actual match after the introductions, probably didn't start till five ten, five fifteen. So that's right. what made it, you know, forty five minutes, which is you know what I would have normally figured. Right. Yeah, it, it just impressive, good storytelling all around. Uh, you know, again, you, you look at some of the guys from Arizona, uh, just good showing for those guys. Uh, it was nice to see the uh, the pop Graves got, uh, you know. Yeah, it was good to see, you know, Graves doesn't miss a beat. He's gone for nine months, and then you see him in a rumble beating the shit out of somebody. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah. you know, and then and then uh, gets a little double duty in the uh, the six man tag. Uh, you know that that was a I thought that was a really good tag match to put together to break up. Uh, you know, Vandergriff having to potentially do two matches in a row. Um, it, it was a nice little. Uh, way to kind of uh, also give a little time between that and I think after it was the uh, the women's uh, championship match, right? So yes, it was. So it yeah, was a- he was he was third. So he was first. He was third, and he was sixth. Yeah, 
And, you know, the, the thing with Matt is, you know, no nobody would be surprised to hear me sing the praises of Matt Vandegrift. And the bottom line is, if Matt had to wrestle every single match on the show, he'd be okay with it. Yeah. You know, we had talked in the past and, you know, still contemplating that idea that we wanted to do the first ever 24-hour match. And I'm not going to say anything other than when we were talking about it, Brett Lauderdale was in the office. And we were talking about this 24-hour gauntlet match, actually, that within a month, GCW announced they were going to do a 24-hour show. So I'm not accusing anybody of, you know, poaching any ideas. But let me just say, you know, I did put it out to the universe, as my, my, my kid would say, that it manifested itself because I didn't do it. And when we yeah. were talking about this 24-hour, my idea was a gauntlet match. So it's right. one match. So, you know, the problem was if everybody averaged 15 minutes, that's four people an hour, you need 96 people <laughs> right. if they averaged 15 minutes. Right. And Damian Drake, Sin Bodhi, and Matt Vandergriff all – mentioned that they would be more than happy to do two hours of it if we if if it was necessary so you know matt was definitely the mvp uh, of the night uh going into the show i'd say an hour before the show started matt vandergriff was not scheduled to be the winner Right. Of the rumble. Right. But because of political situations with one person working for this company, wrestling our champion from this company made it where the match would have to not be decided by pinfall or submission. Right. And in that situation, I can't have a guy win a rumble match close to an hour, and now we go to the main event and we do a fucking DQ or countout. You know what I mean? So it was kind of like, fuck, what are we going to do? You know, and we had options, and, you know, Carlito was one and Masters, and, you know, those TV guys, they did work twice. You know, we give them credit, but – you know, even talking with a guy like Masters, like he'd love to wrestle Hammerstone again. He wrestled him, you know, the pandemic show of the Mecca, you know, before, but he wants to be at a hundred percent. He wants to, he wants that to be the spotlight match. It's, he kind of feels like, Hey, you know what? I've come out for the pop. I've come out. I'm the fed guy. And I came out now when I come out again, it's like, Oh, him again, type of thing that they feel that first time is going to get the biggest reaction. And, right. you know, you know, they weren't that excited about having to work twice, but they were willing to do so because, you know, they're good dudes, you know. Right. So now we had to scramble and who do we got and what do we got? And, you know, 
Hammerstone was the one who uh, recommended uh, Vandegrift. You know, he felt it could tell a great story. Uh, then he gets attacked after the match by Oasis. And now it's almost like easy pickings yeah. for uh, Hammerstone. But Matt Vandegrift, you know, showed. And the thing was, if you, if you watch the match from beginning to end, the crowd was really not, like, so into Matt Vandegrift finishing off the trilogy until, right. you know, 10, 12 minutes into the match where they're like, oh, you know, never say die. The, you know, this guy, holy shit, maybe he can pull it off. And then the sympathy started to come for him and the crowd really got behind him. So, you know, it was a big night for Matt, you know, Hammerstone put over Vandergriff, which I know he's always, he's, you know, I wouldn't say always been, but, he, he sees that Matt has, you know, become a star. And yeah. anything he can do to help expedite that, he is more than willing to do. So Matt Vandergriff, for those who weren't aware of his greatness, uh, probably are so today. And people are probably looking forward to seeing Vandergriff, Hammerstone, uh, with both men at 100%. And I know I was interested in maybe seeing about putting Matt Vandergriff and Hammerstone versus members of the faction after what happened in there uh, in a tag match. So, you know, yeah. we're we're excited. You know, I always say, and you, you always see it on, on the podcast, I'm up, I'm down, I'm aggravated. You know, sometimes it's like, what what's the purpose sometimes? And, you know, things like that kind of revitalize you a little bit to where now it's like making moves. And we got Danny Limelight for December 17th. We got Danny Limelight for January 13th. We got Danny Limelight for no escape. Now, Matt Vandergriff, is he still going to be the champion? Oasis is still, you know, a, a, a real nuisance to, to him on his side. Uh, I've, I've locked in Hammerstone. For the next three shows, the 17th, wow. the 13th, and the 29th. And it's like making sure, you know, we're setting up. No escape. We have, you know, the I guess you could call it a storyboard, but it's the storyboard in Joe's fucking head. And it's like, okay, this is where we're going to go with this, and this is where we're going to go with that. Obviously, Viva Van and Maserati, there's still way more that yeah. juice in that. Nick Xander and Nick Bugatti. Uh, Gregory Sharp will be back, the Nevada State champion. Right. You know, is Damian Drake the next guy? Is, is, is Sharp's New Japan partner, Jacob Austin Young, possibly in the mix? Davey Richards had issues with his flight on, on Sunday. I guess he got stuck in the airport because he had a flight home from Vegas to St. Louis to get back for his uh, paramedic job. So... We had talked about him on, on on no escape, but it's kind of difficult. Regardless of the situations, when a guy can't make a show, it becomes a little more difficult. And, yeah. you know, Davey has done a great job rebuilding the reputation, but he has missed three of the last four casino shows right. that he was scheduled to be on. And, and one, you know, at the Mecca, Sam Adonis, same thing. You know, it was a severe snowstorm on the East Coast. 
Nobody's fault in that situation. Then he got injured. And then then the flight got canceled. And Sam Adonis was scheduled. But AAA ended up running a show. So that's what happens when you're using some of these national, international, you know, these superstars that have been, you know, in major companies that, you know, sometimes things happen. And that's why it's a little easier to try to focus on when we do use that talent, a guy like Carlito lives in Vegas. So unless he has an issue on his flight home from working a show, you know, he's, he's okay. Chris Masters is in LA. If there's a, if there's a airplane disaster and there's no flights, he could probably hop in a car with one of one of the guys and drive in from Los Angeles and Hammerstone's at Arizona, and he'll drive in if he has to. So that's why we try to utilize as much of the outside talent closer to home because these situations. And, you know, since the pandemic, even though it ended, there's still been some major issues with the airlines. So it's not that it's not happening on a regular basis because it is. So, you know, No Escape is going to be featuring guys that are regulars. So if we go outside the box, it's going to be, you know, who's in town. You know, we're looking, PCW's running the uh, their Ultra show on that Friday, the 27th. So, right. you know, we're in discussions with Toa coming back with his partner, Khan, and being part of a big tag team match uh utilizing the gates of agony who are getting you know some good love in AEW and Khan had reached out to me a few months back so you know the idea is TBD the faction sky high you know is it a three-way four-way is it a singles you know a two you know regular tag match so these are the ideas contemplating for January 29th which we have you know, nine or 10 weeks to, you know, set it up and, you know, not counting future shock on the third, on the third, but we got December 17th. We got new year's Eve, the 31st, and we got January 13th on the Friday, the 13th. So I've already got commitments, you know, Matt Vandegrift, he'll be there defending on new year's Eve. Uh, Johnny Robbie's going to be there the 17th and New Year's Eve. I got some fresh new talent for Future Shock. You know, met some more people, you know, that came down from Knox Pro. Uh, we got a couple of uh, a new talent. Uh, one female talent is coming in. On the 17th, uh, we have, looks like, a, the first ever six-woman tag that wow. we have uh, because we've utilized – uh, Maserati scheduled, Viva Van scheduled, Rochelle Riveter, uh, Alice Blair, Johnny Robbie, uh, Tanaya, who's one of our students, who's had two very impressive performances, and we feel we're going to give her the shot of stepping in with with the big guns, and yeah. and, and see you know where the chips fall. So yeah. there's going to be a lot of opportunities. We got new blood on Future Shock. Uh, Primo Henio, who's uh, from Santino Brothers, 
who has been very well respected working the Arizona shows, you know, Dom Vitale from PCW Arizona, you know, ended up coming to the show. He's married to Miranda, the ring announcer, and we utilized him in the past. You know, he came in and specifically wanted to put him over Primo Henio as a great dude and a great talent. Uh, the last time Dom and, and Hammerstone gave me a name, it was class. So, you know, so if they if they if they're going to put their reputations on, I have him booked for the third and the seventeenth. And even the Arizona guys, uh, Blair Brody was like, "Oh, I heard you got Primo Henio coming in on the seventeenth. You know, he's a great dude, man. He can work. You know, if there's a spot, I'd love to work him." So when wow. you got your up and coming guys eager to work this younger guy, that's <laughs> that's that's a great sign. So. Yeah. You know, the new year hits and it's like, you know, we still got the the Batemans and the Gatsons and the Eli Everflies in the back pocket. Eli Everfly was on tour uh, with Pucifer once again this year. Yeah. And I believe that wraps up uh, at the end of this month. Yeah. Come up. So, soon. Yeah. yeah. So I think December 1st, uh, his docket's back open. So having him into the mix again. And the New Japan guys, you know, we make sure they're running the 15th. So we're not we're not going to run the 15th. We're running the 13th, which makes it easier to utilize Bateman and Sharp and Limelight and Jacob Austin Young and maybe the, the West Coast Wrecking Crew if we want to. And at the casino shows, if I want to use Tom Lawler, who's local, and maybe right. him and Graves re-up. Re, re but... I'll tell you what, man, that, that no escape is going to be loaded because those six matches leaves 20 guys that are like high-level FSW guys that now have to scramble for some spots because, okay, yeah. let's say I do a four- or five-way scramble. Okay, that's five guys. You know, the tag, maybe I'll add one of the teams and make it a three-way uh, into the mix, but there's going to be guys that probably have not missed a pay-per-view show casino show since maybe like a sharp because he's doing new Japan. Right. But if there was no new Japan sharp, hasn't missed any casino shows. Right. Now there's some guys that are going to be left off just because there is nothing for them in that situation. Because yeah. three cage matches, we're at about six matches now in terms of, well, if Hammerstone's the heavyweight champion, he's going to defend. The question is who he's defending against. So that match is already taken. Nevada yeah. State titles on the line. Tag titles are on the line. No limits titles on the line. And, you know, where we go from there is now filling in the spots. And, you know, that's going to be the most difficult thing. You know, as usual, there's going to probably be some unhappy campers that people who've been champions in FSW and work almost every show won't be on the show. Let me ask you, um, in terms of No Escape, have you ever run a uh, FSW Women's Championship match on No Escape in the cage? 
We have never done a steel cage women's match. And obviously, depending on where we go, uh, Viva Van and Maserati in a steel cage <laughs> is easily uh, a match that we are hoping is going would, to come to fruition. Uh, the only other gimmicky like match like that, that we did was TLC match right. that we had done. Uh, when Maz lost the belt to Sandra Moon. And right. a few years before that, we did a last women's standing match between Heather Monroe and Hudson Envy. Right. So this would be the first time that a championship would be, you know, inside the steel cage. And I think we've built to something uh, special uh, between Maz and Viva. Viva yeah. has become the face of the women's division. And Maz had been the face of the women's division since day one. You know, yeah. she came in and, and she started, you know, started that. Sandra yeah. Moon came along, Zoe Stark, Lacey, of course. And yeah. in between that, you know, Taya and Heather Monroe was our first champion. But Maz yeah. has been there, you know, for every single situation that involved the women. Maz was in the first match for the women's title right. in, in the three-way, and she held the right. belt, and she carried the, she carried a non-existent division in the beginning, and then we crowned the champion, and we added some talent, and uh, we were fortunate enough to have Taya for, you know, four or five shows, and... Yeah. You know, brought in Jessica Havoc, I remember, to wrestle Heather Monroe at Emeka. So, you know, right now, this is potentially the strongest women's division we've ever had because Viva was beating some of the younger talent and a few of the girls that we had brought in. But now, you know with Rochelle Riverter coming in from Colorado, you know, to have her in reality is say the number two heel in the women's yeah. division behind Maz, who's now, you know, full-time once again and getting Gianni Robbie on the other side with Viva. So yeah. now we have four really strong. And now the question becomes the Tanayas, the Alice Blairs, the Milos and, right. Uh, the girl from Knox Pro that we're going to give an opportunity to. Now, all of a sudden, there's seven or eight women that are are in that mix of, you know, who to look out for in 2023. Because when you're talking about, you know, it's too early now, and technically, you know, we try to do at the end of December, you know, Rookie of the Year. But Tanaya has made a case for next year's rookie of the year because I expect her to be, you know, a mainstay in the division. So, you know, it's definitely interesting to see what's going on. And, you know, there's rumors of who's coming to town and Gypsy Mac from New Mexico is supposed to be moving here in a couple months. And, <laughs> you know, Damn. we feel, yeah. and she said it for a while, but she postponed it. But she still seems to act like she's going to be moving out here early 
in 2023. Well, I, I feel that she is someone who will definitely benefit from consistent training from the FSW staff. Definitely. So, and, you know, and, and there's a lot of others that are, have been reaching out and, you know, just trying to get a little, you know, insight because, you know, Maz, she likes to connect, man. I'll, I'll tell you that she's, she's always trying to throw girls our way and explains the situations like you want to come from out of town, you know, Joe ain't buying a flight for you because you have no name value, but he's definitely willing to give you a look-see. And if you could make it work, and we know in this business, a lot of people will travel and will cover themselves because they will do that for a worthwhile company. And thankfully, we are a worthwhile company that people want to work for. So we don't have to struggle to get great talent to be on our shows. Yeah, and I think one of the things too is that when you when you look at the positions that you're able to put the people in, whether it is uh, younger guys, you know, coming in from Arizona for future shock, like you were talking about, or some people who are fairly established, you know, kind of not at that that green tier, but on that next level of you know, being a little bit more established, wanting to work more and get more polish. Um, the opportunities, the, the situations you you present them with are very good situations as compared to, you know, other territories that they might work where the utilization isn't necessarily being looked at to, you know, help them or highlight them or feature them in some way. I think that a lot of times after you bring someone in for maybe one, two times, and you know now you can trust and they have value for you, you see that they're able then to kind of take those building blocks and make a, an established name for themselves in Vegas, which also helps then in Arizona or you know California. It's very cool to see those building blocks you know, kind of just rise and rise and rise. Um, I really think that the opportunities that are being given are are very um, few and far between in terms of getting a shot to be on this kind of level. When you look at this coming year, is there anyone out there that you might have seen uh, within, let's say, the past at 12 months last year or so that maybe you haven't had a chance to get into town because they haven't, uh, you know, come this way uh, or just for whatever reason, it hasn't worked out to get them in. Is there a person or two that might be on the radar for potentially coming in this year that you would be um, really excited to kind of see work their way into FSW? Honestly, I rely on, you know, our guys when they go out of town, you know. Uh, so this week, uh, Chris Bay, he's killing it. Motherfucker's in Japan sending yeah. me messages, okay? So there's a guy from NorCal. Yeah, he trains at Knox Pro. Uh, his name's Ryan. 
I'm not sure what his wrestling name is. It could be, it could be what it is. He's like, hey, he's going to be down to the show. You know, if you got a spot in the Rumble, that'd be great. And it's like, nah, I don't, you know, I don't have a spot in the Rumble. But the Ryan guy reaches out to me. And, you know, Chris Bay's putting over his praises. It's like, you know, here's a guy that this could be a, a true future star. So it turns out Ryan, uh, the girl Jessica, they both come down to introduce themselves. Uh, Ryan hits me up. Hey, you know, love to help out. I want to come down. So we've, we've already reached out and, and Jessica, I think she goes by J row or J rod or something like that. But she is now booked on the show because I have no idea who she was, but she trains at Knox pro. So who do I go to the guy that's sitting right next to me when I'm at the merch thing? Because she introduced herself is Toa Leona, who got on our radar because Sefa Fatu, whose dad runs Knox Pro, was talking to Toa and said, hey, bro, you need to get to FSW, motherfucker. And when GCW did a show in town with no audience, they used our arena. And Toa, the big Samoan, comes up and introduces himself. And then I see him wrestle on one of their shows. And I'm like, oh, shit, I got to get this motherfucker. I didn't realize he did not have any matches in front of a live crowd in, in, in his repertoire. I didn't realize he was that green into the business. Yeah. So now I asked him, hey, how long has she been training? Oh, like two years. Oh, you know, she ain't good. And he says she is. So I'm not going to expect him to lie because it make, would make him look bad. Most right. people are going to recommend people. So on his word despite getting emails from six others that I have no idea who they are that just say they want to work, they right. she jumps the crowd. The Ryan guy is going to jump it because Chris Bay said so. Primo yeah. Henio, who hits me up, who I don't know, then all of a sudden I get these guys telling me, and that's how Jordan Cruz, and that's how Class, and that's how those guys jump the gun. Yeah. Jacob Blair was brought in by Douglas James and Tito Escondido. Eli Everfly was brought in by Che Cabrera and Tito Escondido. Yeah. So Lucas Riley was brought in by Eli Everfly. And it, it's that combination. And yeah. it's the same thing with the FSW guys when you see the Xanders and the Sky Highs and, and all those guys working with Mike Rain at Best of the West or working yeah. at Arizona Wrestling or which guys are working for Dom. Because yeah. those guys are recommending those guys. You know, Dom knows Remy and Sharp really well. So, hey, what do you think about this guy? Hey, who's the guy you'd bring in? So now all of a sudden, the Suavecitos and now Sky High and Brett the Threat, all those guys work for Dom. Yeah. And that's, just, you know, it's the cycle of life. It's the wrestling cycle of life. Of, of getting yep. people, you know, into the shows. You know, there's so many people. I'll get emails. Oh, I'm in Fort Wayne, New Jersey. And it's like, bro, you know, unless you're flying yourself in. And most people are kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, I'll try to get my way out there, you know, if I can, blah, 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 blah. But then you got others like, oh, thank, thanks for messaging me back. Like, like they expected to be flown out. Yet nobody knows who the fuck they are. 
Like, right. are, are, you, are you ridiculous? Like, you need to make a trip out here. If you want to work on the West Coast, nobody is flying in, you know, Joe Smith for a yeah. $500 flight. Yeah. It's like, hey, don't worry about paying me. It's like, yeah, you're $500. You know, I, I, can, I can get, you know, I can get a name guy from Impact AEW, a uh, guy recently released from WWE for five hundred dollars. Yeah, you know, hopefully they live close where the flight isn't as much, but it's not free. It's five hundred dollars. Just because yeah. I don't pay you that rate doesn't mean it's not coming out of the budget. Right. So, you know, and we've been fortunate. Hey, who can get buddy passes? Who can do this? Who can do that? You know, there's there was always a certain way that you know. You can get things done. Unfortunately, you know, we had guys like a Jared Diaz who's made his way out a couple times. But even as, you know, overzealous and excited he is about getting out here, financially he realizes that it doesn't make sense sometimes. So despite wanting to be part of it and having a great conversation with him uh, when we were doing Full Tilt AEW Weekend, and, you know, he worked all the shows and he yeah. saw the atmosphere and, you know, he's another one, you know, tight with Chris Bay and all these guys. So wants that opportunity. But then when he, you know, puts pen to paper and having to miss a day of work and having to fly out and having to get their own hotel, you know, sometimes it's like, OK, well, hey, I, I know I got a place to stay because I'm friendly with this guy. And, right. you know. If I have enough time to book it, well, FSW is running Sunday. You know, maybe I can get on a Cali or Arizona show Friday and Saturday and make a whole little circuit on it. To come all the way west for three days for little to no money coming out of your own pocket, it's going right. to be hard to sell merch because people don't really know who you are to, to cover any of that. Right. Unless you get those other bookings, it, it's going to be it, – it's a loss. And yeah. taking a loss is fine. We've seen it. You know, Vandegrift used to fly to Florida and just to get on certain shows. Or people will fly yeah. to AEW hoping to get on Dark or, or whatever it is. So that's great. But how many times can you do it? Yeah. You yeah. know, I need somebody. If Jared Diaz is going to be around, it's hard to position him well if he's going to show up in February and then he ain't going to be able to come out again till August, I can't right. spotlight him as good as he is. He's going to come in and he'll probably works one of our better guys, but it's a win for one of our better guys. Right. Right. So, you know, we had another guy that I guess, uh, Benny Blanco, I call him Benny from the Bronx, of course. You know, and he came in a train last week, and he knows Bay. And he was like, hey, I'm going to be in town, blah, blah, blah. You know, and Bay gives me a heads up for him. And after talking, like, he has a job to where he can kind of move around and do things. So he's talking about coming to Vegas to train. And I kind of believe it's a smart move. You know, guys like Clutch and Jacob Austin Young and Chris Bay, they all left where they were from to come to FSW. Right. So, you know, the reach we have, I guess, you know, is pretty strong. Like how Chris Bay knew about it, I don't know. 
like he probably told me back then, but somehow he heard about us. And, you know, when you hear Cross and you go on his Twitter, you know, Cross makes sure, you know, FSW. Like he, right. he's, he's, why he's flown that banner and Chris Bay's flown that banner. When you walk in impact, all those guys know who I am because of Chris Bay. And before that it was cross and Brian cage and all those guys that were in impact or an AEW and Lance Hoyt and, and all these guys who have good things to say, even a will rude who worked for us many years ago. Like I was talking with masters and he didn't know Will Hobbs and Will Rude were the same person. I'm like, yeah, you worked him. You were in the survival of the fittest match with him, <laughs> you know, in 2014. And I'm sure if Chris Masters probably doesn't remember a lot of things from 2014. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. it is what it is. And it's like we, you know, we keep trying to churn him out. Right. Um. When you look at, you know, you, you, we're talking talent from the outside. Let's look at uh, something that I thought was really good from the inside, and that was um, having Xander and Bugatti, uh, you know, a no contest between those two, uh, which actually left a small dent in the wall of the uh, the Hefe. Oh, uh, did they really? Eesh. Yeah, it was it was it was very small, but it was still it was still uh, uh, the uh, boy. How much is Joe going to have to uh, dish out to the? Uh, yeah, they they haven't noticed yet, I guess, because I have not gotten a a message similar to when I did when Matt Cardona broke the car the cash register, and. They were looking to whack, whack me for 2000 And I was like, I ain't fucking paying. That's GCW. But the problem is, Joe DeFalco signed the contract. So if GCW, they said, here's the invoice. And they said, fuck you, Joe. I would probably have to pay it before they would let me come back. Thankfully, um, uh, that has been... Maybe, maybe they fixed the cash register. And I'm like, $2,000 for a cash register? Sure seems fucking obscenely out of out of line but what do i know um well you know I, i'm sure the silver nugget is trying anything and everything to uh figure out how to get extra cash so um, well, they just run a kid sierra they make a lot of money with those concerts in kid sierra that's so true. i guarantee you that event center makes them tons more money than that casino because when yeah. you walk in that casino there's a lot of penny players I'm yeah. sorry. There's 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 a small amount of penny players. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like um, the most people that are there when we're around is our show. And the most people yeah. that are around when there's a lucha show is the lucha show and the quinceaneras and the concerts. Whether yeah. those people which is weird because it was not an argument but it was kind of like unnerving to them that I wanted people to enter through the casino. Like, don't you want people to put money in a cash register into the, into a video poker machine or a slot machine while they're waiting? Cause generally people will wait in line Right. for a lot of their shows where they get a thousand people on a concert. Their entrance way is the back, the back entrance. 
Right. And it's like, wow. so you have a thousand people and not one of them are walking into your casino. If we have 500 right. people and 20 people throwing 20 bucks, that's still four or $500. And you know, there's more than 20 people putting in 20 bucks. Yeah. And it's like, that's how you bring in money. And I get it. You make a lot of money from Kinsiera. I'm pretty sure they pay X amount of dollars, the open bar, the food. They provide all of that. But, hey, why not have another $1,200 being spent Yeah, inside the casino? That the, the main objective is to have a profit. And, yeah. you know, I would think, hey, you know, we bring them through the – we. We bring them through the actual entrance. You have you you have stairs through the casino, yeah. you know. And I know I remember with GCW, they were like, "Oh, if we get the doors open, you know, there's all these kids in the casino." It's like, well, it isn't like the casino's packed with players. It's like, you know, maybe you get the parents are going to be throwing money in, order food, whatever it is. You know, now right. that they have the bowling center back open, and right. they actually got somebody. Uh, place doing chicken sandwiches and sliders or whatever it is that they took over the restaurant because since we were, we've been back since I guess February, there was no, there was no place to eat. Like you could yeah. order from the bar, but there's people who come early to the show that they would sit in the, in the, in the cafe and order food and somebody yeah. was smart enough to lease it. Because now with the bowling thing open, there there there's some people, you know. Hopefully, yeah. it generates into there. So, um, when you uh, look at, uh, I'll, I'll get back to to Xander and Bugatti. Was that uh, was that a, a a for you a I guess a smart matchup or you know a smart feud to start to get. Bugatti back into things and also to give Xander someone to work who uh, is, you know, very experienced, very good worker, very solid worker. Um, Cause it seems like the chemistry has been there and it seemed like the match was a fairly, you know, solid match. Um, and the fans were really into it, especially when they got, you know, brawling into the crowd uh, you know, the fans went apeshit to, to be honest. Oh, yeah, yeah. Fans do like people brawling right around them, yeah, <laughs> and, and just enclosed. It was like watching like something just right onto them. Um, but is was that a, a for you a good decision to you know to put those two where they are, and especially with Bugatti, you know, having not been in the ring for a while to give him someone like Xander who, you know, Xander's one of those guys who really can work almost anyone. And, you know, it, it's going to be fairly solid and fairly good. He really is coming along. Is this matchup something that you envisioned it uh, as happening as it is right now? Of course, Joe DeFalco made a decision on matches that turned out to be a tremendous idea. You know, this goes back. Like, for some weird fucking reason, I have no knowledge why, Nick Bugatti hadn't been around for a long time. And Nick Xander is, like, going on Facebook 
basically calling out a guy who wasn't even fucking around. Like, what is the purpose of that? <laughs> you know, I kind of yap at these guys sometimes, Brett the Threat. Like, they, they make these comments that literally make no sense. Like, you want Nick Bugatti? The guy hasn't even been around for a year. Like, what the fuck? And months later, you know, Nick decided to, you know, start training a little bit here and there. And, again, Nick Xander had no, no potential feuds coming up. And I always liked the idea of the angry vets. Years ago, we did that where we put Mike Modest and Disco Inferno because there was that next generation of younger talent who thought they knew everything, which yeah. is how it always progresses. And that prematurely broke up. You know, people went their ways, whatever. And uh, Clutch had reached out for the idea of trying to get back in the, back in, you know, you're taking time off, you know, injuries, whatever it was. And, you know, sometimes you need a break. And my perfect thought was clutch comes back and, and clutch is an angry vet now, but he was an angry rookie then like clutch was, you know, clutch is that guy, you know what I mean? It's like, he think a lot of things bother him. Okay. And, and again, he's passionate and people have heard us yelling in the office and uh, I, I never hold grudges in, in situation. It's, he feels certain way. I feel certain way. We yap about it. I'm New York. I'm Italian. You know, I raise my voice. People yap, whatever the fuck, no big deal. So, and I'm like, well, if we bring clutch back, he really could come back as that angry vet. And because he sees what's going on because he's, he's been on that student page and he sees Joe DeFalco going off about these motherfuckers and they're not setting up the ring and then they're not being around, but then there's the show day and then they're crying that they're not booked on it yet. When something is going on that they're not booked on, they somehow magically can never get off from work, get off early, whatever, whatever it is. So we played into the idea of, Clutch, seeing another guy who he feels may have been gifted um, more than he should have. And playing into that, the idea was, okay, you know, where do we go? How do we end it? And at that time, Nick Bugatti started coming in every once in a while, training with Cody, whatever, just getting getting the rust off and things like that. So presented the idea of... Bugatti getting involved with the match with Clutch at the Silver Nugget. And because in that situation, Clutch, who was the heel, was going over. So unless we continue it again, because Xander won the first match and, and Clutch beat the shit out of him. And then we went into this. The idea was, okay, how do we make it work? Because generally, baby faces win a lot of feuds, and then you know you do your thing, and right. we're we're kind of reversing it to where the even though it's one one, we're not looking to come back to the third match at this point. Right. So how do we do this? 
Well, ideas were, hey, a Nick Bugatti, a Clutch, Angry Vets come together type of thing. But as that idea kind of passed, the idea of Bugatti getting involved was still there. So, you know, we did the angle uh, where he was the cameraman and then we progressed it into him being in the audience, Nick attacking him. Then he hit the fan. So we suspended him and, you know, which we felt would be okay. Nick's comeuppance. Well, we have the rumble show. Do we have room for a match that isn't a title match? Now all of a sudden it's, Hey, Gregory Sharp, he's doing New Japan. So that eliminates him from the fold. We already know we got the Rumble. We already know we got Hammerstone in the main event against the winner of the Rumble. We put together the idea. We know we got Viva and Maserati. So now we're at three matches. We don't really want Matt in the No Limits match. I mean, in the Rumble match, because Matt's generally going to give you the best match on the card. So you want Matt in a No Limits match. Right. So now we're at four. And then it's like generally we've done stuff in the past where some of the finalists, they get to wrestle in a match. And you also want that star power working a little bit more. So that match is kind of taken. What it was, no idea. We were talking, you know, at one point my, my kid was big on Juicy versus Masters. Turned out Juicy wasn't able to make it. But then I thought, you know what? Why not have Graves who's coming back? Like the faces of FSW have been there forever. So it's yeah. Remy, it's Cody, it's Graves, it's Damian Drake. Well, Damian Drake's starting at one. He's going to be in the Rumble for a long fucking time. He doesn't need to be in another match. So we settle on Graves as the third guy. Now you want Carlito and Masters. So you got Carlito and Masters. And now who's the third guy? Because you got the two star power. Well, the arrogant fuck who thinks he's probably better than Carlito and Masters. Brett the Threat's the perfect foil for that match. So that happens. So now we have one match left. Now it's a no brainer because are we going to have Bugatti accident, uh, Bugatti throw out Xander, you know, or Xander throws out Bugatti. Then he eliminates himself because he still wants to fight him. Like there, there, there's nothing there in the rumble for what they've already built up. Nick Xander should be fucking livid over, what Bugatti cost him. Then he got suspended. So in reality, Bugatti cost him three months of his career. Right. As well as the biggest match at the time in Alexander's career. So having the singles match is what was necessary. So fortunately we were able to do it because the last thing I wanted to do was go to seven matches. That's yeah. why we moved that, that made the tag match the pre-show. Because as witnessed, we went to about 8 o'clock. It was probably a little less than three hours. But that was what the goal was. Because last year, we did a four-hour show because of the Rumble. And that was a two-night shows. And just because there was so much packed into the anniversary show. And we never have the Rumble and the anniversary show. So, But we did that, which made every title be you know had on the show and where we went from there so now that it was a standalone show having xander and bugatti and i felt that was to be 
first off, they're not in the Rumble. So after the Rumble match, you come out with that because they're not right. going to be in the Rumble. You know, you could put the girls on. That, that was definitely an option. You know, we could put it, we could put Matt in that situation. But now things changed because Matt ended up being included into the Rumble. We were short a guy. So Matt was 30. So for some reason, Miranda's like number 30. She announced as Tenacious. And our final participant, it was like, no, Tenacious is 29. I know you want to say and final, but final isn't 31. We were going to actually have uh, D'Lo Brown as number 29 and have him jump from the commentary table. Uh, and I, I'm pretty sure D'Lo's happy he didn't have to actually <laughs> do any work and get up and actually climb into the ring. Right. So, you know, it was beneficial for D'Lo. So that, that became the option for the first match out. And yeah. you know, I wanted to save the women's match till later. And obviously, if we're doing the six-person tag, five of uh, all six of those guys were in the Rumble, so we couldn't do that as the first match out. So we right. had to space it. So then that became, you know, the match, which you kind of hate to do these, you know, fighting inside match two, you know, all around the arena. But this is a specialized show, and that was what was necessary. And now that we've finished that match, there's been no conclusion. So right. now we have to see what's going on in the future. So there's definitely a potential for a Xander Bugatti steel cage match. You're going to end up because with you six, have, you gonna, have different up six cage matches on the no escape this year. You know, I've always had the dream of, you know, when it was lockdown TNA, right. which I couldn't use that name because I already, instead of a cease and desist, I got a letter, I, I'm sorry, a message from Scott Diamore that the legal department of Impact was letting him know that FSW, who they do business with, runs a show called Against All Odds. And it's like, well, Scott is fully aware of FSW running against all odds because a couple of years ago, probably about four years ago, when we were doing the seminars and tryouts or whatever, Scott's in the office. And of course, in our office, we have a lot of posters of different things. And he's like, hey, that's the name of one of our pay-per-views we used. But they weren't using it anymore. They used it in 2012, I believe was the last year they used it, okay? Right. We started using it in 2014. So we used it in 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. They brought it back in 19, where we also ran it in 19, 20 and 21. Now we're into 22, and their legal department's like, hey. And I'm like, well, first off, Scott, you know, we've been using it for eight years. You weren't using it for five of those years. I said, the show's in seven days. There's not much we can really fucking do, <laughs> you know. Sure. Hey, FSW presents against the odds, because that's about all we can do at this point. So he's like, well, you know, just use it for this show, and then we'll worry about it. And it's like, yeah, that's fine. We'll worry about it later. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure 
if I came up with FSW lockdown. Now, again, they haven't used it for years. Right. Where every match would be a steel cage match. But it's like, are we really going to have the grudge match between Ricky Tenacious and Brandon G in the cage and have every match, eight matches? Hey, we got a pre-show match. It's in the cage. It waters down the cage matches. Right. So I have to be deliberate in the matches. Odds are Hammerstone is in the cage. Okay. Right. Well, if I have Hammerstone in the cage, just a cage match for the FSW heavyweight title, Matt Vandergriff's in the cage defending the No Limits title, Gregory Sharp's in the cage defending the Nevada State title, what makes it different? What makes it special? So, having the FSW Heavyweight Championship in a cage, having a women's match is different. Having an escape the cage scramble match like we did last year is totally different. Having a grudge match with no titles on the line is different. Right. So that takes away certain things. Last year, we did the grudge match. It happened to be for the title, which was class and Remy Marcel. Right. Did it have to be in the cage? Nah, probably not. It didn't have to be. But it was probably the best option, and there could have been other options. But we did the real grudge match was, I think we did four cage matches last year. I think we did so. Damian Drake and Matt Vandergriff was the grudge match. Right. And that got added late because we did their breakup. So at the time, Class and Remy was the third cage match. But Damian Drake and Matt Vandergriff became the third one. And instead of pulling it as the cage match, we made it the fourth. So because we did oh, the escape the cage match. Right. And then you had Ice and Bay was the uh the last right time. it was ice and bay not hammerstone he wrestled seven he wrestled. yeah exactly that's right so his match wasn't the cage match but it was for the no limits title and it was the main event so right. in reality we could have went with three and left off class and remy marcel because that was the follow-up of class cashing in the the, the cash in the case so right. it wasn't really this blood feud that had to be. So if if I was going to move one thing out from last year, it would have been that. Now, in doing this, is it possible that we do the four matches? Maybe we do an escape the cage scramble match. I kind of liked it. You know, we had Limelight yeah. and we had Dave Vidal and we had good people in it. And the, the Vandergriff, Damian Drake was a steel cage weapons match. So besides yeah. being a grudge match, it was a different thing compared to Ice and Bay, for example. Right. So, again, we have two months. We, we, we have a list of stuff of m- matches that came out of this show. And it's like, okay, what feuds do we have going? What is simmering? What can we you know, do to expand upon that? And just like at Against All Odds, I knew a lot of things we were going to do. And it's good because by talking with the Danny Limelight, I know I have him 
for three shows. I know I got Hammerstone. I know we can build some stuff there to really make the steel cage match, if he's going to be in it, mean something. To where right. it's like, okay, yeah, that should be in the cage. Because right. if we come out of against all odds and we have no escape in four weeks, like we went from Mecca to – if we have the no escape in four weeks, it's obvious Nick Xander and, and Bugatti would have to be in the cage. It's right. obvious Viva and Maz would be in the cage. But I'm not sure there would be anything else, maybe an escape the cage, whatever. Hammerstone does not have somebody in front of him right at this moment that right. would be like, oh, that, that's a cage match. Because, again, you don't want it just to be a cage match to be a cage match. You know, we right. did Hammerstone and John Morrison in a cage because – Hammerstone beat the shit out of Taya and called out John Morrison for not returning his text. Right. You know, yeah. which is a much better way to start a feud than bumping into a guy and spilling his coffee like Kane and Jericho. I always talk about. Yeah. So, but that became the feud, but that didn't, that wasn't the be all end all. The be all end all was Morrison showed up unannounced and laid out Hammerstone and cost him the heavyweight title that he lost to Chris Bay. So yeah. now that was the blood feud where Hammerstone basically killed Morrison's wife in the match, right. and Morrison cost Hammerstone his belt. So here we go. Now we had a hot main event that wasn't even for the title. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's always trying to build, and those shows get billed. And I remember because Hammerstone laid out Taya at a Beers and Body Slams on Fremont, and it was like the coldest October up until yeah. this year, like for yeah. years. It was like 75 degrees. Like that day, I remember it was like 40 degrees when the show started. Yeah. And now it was dark, and it was, you know – Miserable. We started later, so it was like you yeah. know nine thirty, ten o'clock at night. It was probably thirty degrees in that yeah. match. People were wearing like you know gloves and then you know clothing <laughs> over their gear. So yeah, yeah, you know, no escape is the the thing is we we focus on no escape to start the year. Right. And against all odds ends the year. So the thing is, there's not a kind of a regular casino show in the mix. Because, right. you know, when we go to No Escape, the next big casino show was usually the Mecca in March, which was totally separate. So you had the new No Escape in January, which would lead like last year we did No Escape in December. Right. Just because of the timing, because August was when we basically, we did June, we did August, and then we did December. Right. We, you know, we didn't do a lot of the other stuff. So on this one, we generally do January, and then the next big FSW pay-per-view casino show is the anniversary show, which is usually May, or early June. Then we right. bounce back with Survival of the Fittest in August, and then we have Against All Odds in November. And then we would slide the two meccas in. So that would give us those six shows. Right. Now, 
it's kind of wonky with the Mecca because now it's kind of just based on the of where we can go. Like Impact, we did at this time when they were here. Right. And now they're coming back in February, but they're taking all three nights that potentially would be for a show. They're actually taping Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So right. that eliminates the end of February as a show for us, which now pushes us back into March. Now, March either becomes another big casino show pay-per-view or it becomes the Mecca. But now we have AEW in play in May, which we assume Memorial Day weekend, which really sucks for us because flights and hotel rooms are yeah. at eye-gouging prices. Yeah. So to bring people in and getting rooms becomes a little more difficult. And then the problem becomes again. GCW. They're bigger right. than us. They want Saturday night, which is the free night. So what does FSW do? Well, we do a show with Sammy on the Friday night. Well, Rampage is taping. Okay, well, we can do the Saturday afternoon slot before GCW that, that Revolver took. But, oh, AEW is doing their fan fest. Right. So, yeah. hey, Saturday night's the best option because there's no AEW. Oh, but GCW's running. And as we saw, you know, they they killed everything that we had done that whole weekend. Yeah. They, you know, standing room only is it, it doesn't even do justice to the crowd that they had there. Yeah. You know, we, we got people standing, but they had more people standing than sitting. That's how... But they were smart. They only put out like 300 to 500 chairs because right. they want that atmosphere like they have in Atlantic City. So, sure, I could say, yeah, Brett, sorry, you guys can't use the Silver Nugget Saturday night at 8 o'clock because we're doing the show there. He'll be like, oh, okay, that's cool, Joe. And then he'll go get a different fucking venue and run right. at 8 o'clock. And our fans will be happy to miss our show because they can watch <laughs> – 30 others of them that they can make. So right. we're kind of screwed in that situation because there's one good time slot. And, you know, Thursday, in reality, the best time slot for us is Saturday, uh, Sunday, uh, what would it be? The Sunday afternoon. Like we right. did GCW versus FSW, which right. Brett's more idealistically okay with doing the Sunday show because it's after his big show. He doesn't right. want to do FSW for versus GCW on Friday night to come back with his own show. And right. I a thousand percent understand that because we're getting the rub from him. When Sammy Callahan's running Revolver, they don't have that fan base in Vegas. So we're the draw in the FSW Revolver show per se, the percentage right. of people coming to the event. The FSW GCW show is as good as it is because their fans are coming and all our fans are coming and it becomes a spectacle. So right. we would really love to do FSW GCW on the Sunday before AEW on Memorial yeah. Day again uh, and making that happen. Yeah, let's, let's hope so because that... Um... It would be great to see that again, um, and it would be a fresh 
you know, a fresh take, um, given that it would have been two years, you know, so you have a year gap. Yeah, I, I want to see Gringo Loco on one of our shows. I think, uh, I think that can happen, right? Then there was another guy, I forgot his name, that was a, a lucha guy that was uh, trained by Gringo Loco, who was fantastic, uh, that worked the GCW show. You know, I forgot his name offhand, but man, this, this guy was all over the place. You know, there was a couple uh, bumpy spots in the match, but it was because he was so fast, you know, and it was like so high risk that, you know, watching him and Vandergrift could be uh, something uh, I would definitely be interested in seeing. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, you know, it, it's kind of exciting to think of, you know, the potential of that. Um, as we uh, start to wrap up here, uh, what, uh, what can you say about the upcoming uh, December 3rd uh, Future Shock right now so that uh, people can uh, get ready to uh, get some tickets and come on in or uh, get the FSW network for six ninety nine and uh, check out Future Shock if you're not in town or can't make the show on the 3rd? Well, I, I think that we have gotten a, uh, a good amount of talent signed. I know the tickets are available on the, uh, on the website already. Uh, you know, being, I guess we had the huge crowd that we had, a great turnout. Uh, my son Joey's gotten, you know, he's motivated this week. So we, we, we got to take advantage and he's already got the posters done and uh, for Future Shock and for uh, Seasons Beatings on the 17th. I uh, got a nice little logo for uh, Countdown to Midnight, uh, 9.30 on New Year's Eve. So I'm looking at the uh, Future Shock. So Nick Bugatti is actually going to be wrestling on that show. Uh, we can announce one match already. Brett the Threat will go one-on-one -on -one with the man uh -oh. who eliminated him from the uh -oh. Rumble, Jimmy Jack. Yes. All right. All right. So I know Brett the Threat is uh, very, very angry, and uh, the poster is made. Uh, so when I had mentioned earlier the new talent, uh, yes, she goes by J-Rod, kind of like A-Rod and – J Lo and, and all them. So uh, she will be making her, her debut uh, in FSW at Future Shock. Uh, we also have Matt Vandergriff uh, will be at Future Shock. So by next week, obviously, we'll have everything in check. The idea is to get, you know, some of the younger talent. Uh, Tanaya uh, will be appearing, possibly going one on one with J Rod. So it'll yeah. be interesting to see, uh, you know, some of the younger talent uh, yeah. getting an opportunity uh, to shine in, in that situation. You know, it's always good to see Matt Vandergriff on a future shock. Usually he wrestles uh, an up and coming talent that might be a future No Limits champion, you know. Yeah. So we're, we're definitely interested. I believe Damian Drake uh, will be at future shock. On
go to Facebook, you know, the messengers and the, the, the Facebook future stars of wrestling posts, the Joe DeFalco posts, you know, we're always going to keep you updated. And I'm pretty sure before the weekend ends, uh, actually, uh, well, one of our younger guys, uh, Andy Delgado, uh, will be taking on Nick Bugatti. So, uh, Andy was a guy who, uh, was probably about 19 or 20. He went to China and he was there with Bugatti and stuff. So, uh, then he had, uh, came back, had an injury and then I don't know if he lost the passion or whatever it was, but he didn't come back from his broken collarbone for a very long time. And now he's been back and this will be his, uh, second opportunity, uh, to have a singles match. Well, he was in a triple threat, I believe, at the last Future Shock. So right. so he's going to go one-on-one with someone he knows very well in, in Nick Bugatti. So, you know, two matches are set. Uh, however it changes, you know, Tanaya and J-Rod, uh, third match, Matt Vandegrift defending. You know, he asked me uh, who was going to be there. Because generally on a show like that, we're going to give Matt the opportunity to kind of work somebody he wants to work, somebody he feels that uh, is deserving. You know, he sees people who they're training, working hard, that he right. believes have a lot of potential. And the veteran guys, like I try to, you know, listen to. You know, Remy mentioned uh, another Santino's guy, Chris Nasty. And I guess he got a really bad injury like, Three days after Remy said, hey, on the next Future Shock, if we can get him a spot. And unfortunately, I think he tore his ACL or some some kind of bad knee injury where he had surgery and, and, and stuff. Jeez. So, yeah. Couldn't make it on that end. But the Primo Henio guy, like, hey, that might be a good match for Matt Vandergriff. So, yeah. you know, once we get everybody in place, it becomes easier. Right. You know, you also get some of the messages, you know, like a Bodie, like, hey, I'm available, you know. And, you know, of course, Bodie's going to be available for as many shows as he can with us. And and again, uh, I like to treat Bodie a little differently, uh, being that he's 15 years old. You don't, you don't want him to be working, you know, 20 times a month yet. So right. you know, we try to give him and put him in places to where he can succeed you want to make sure he's wrestling somebody that is going to be a benefit to him. Right. So, you know, the, and the sky's the limit on, on the younger guys, you know, the, the Davions of the world who yeah. have produced when they've gotten the opportunity, you know, yeah. uh, the young kid, uh, Demir, uh, turned out, I thought he was about 19 and he, he just turned 18 and he's been training with us for six months, which wow. at least, uh, you know, as I said at the show, I said, well, at least we have uh, kind of a reasoning for why you're such an idiot most of the time because <laughs> because of your age. So, you know, if he was 23, uh, I'd be a little more concerned. But, you right. know, he is a dumb fuck, but he is 18 years old and, and hopefully he'll he'll grow and understand. And we had a little chat the other day and I know Chris Bates had a chat with him. Uh, again, I know when you're that age. And other opportunities arise, it's easy to just say yes. And yeah. as we talked last week, you know, he was one of the main guys I was discussing about working other other places. And it's like 
you need to make sure it's a benefit to you. Like whether I like it or not, I don't like it, but that doesn't stop me from not having a problem with you doing it because I don't believe anybody else is going to concern themselves with your benefit. And you are an FSW person. So I feel that it's my responsibility to let you make sure you understand the pitfalls of doing other things while, you know, other people look at it as, Oh, you know, Joe doesn't want him working over there. So he basically tries to put the kibosh on it. No, I, I'm, I'm a reputable enough promoter and people understand that I'm always looking out for their best interests and sometimes their best interests isn't and it, it isn't just working another show in Vegas. It's working a show in California. It's working a show in Arizona. It's like yeah. you're going in there. And remember, you're going in there not to be protected. You're going in there as a talent who is hired to wrestle. And when you've had one match, you really don't understand, you know, what it takes to be in a match. So you're going to do whatever you think you could do. You're going to right. do whatever you want to do. It's a little different when Demir is in FSW wrestling Gregory Sharp, who's trained with him and knows what he's capable of doing and knows what he's not capable of doing. And if issues arise where the match goes away, Gregory Sharp knows how to finish it. While going over there, nobody's saying, oh, did you have two matches or 12? You're a talent. You're on the show. Okay, we're going to talk over our match. Hey, what do you want to do? Well, hey, I want to do this, that, and the other thing. He's not going to be like, oh, have you ever done it before? So it's not the other person's fault. It's the fact of the matter is that me and you are having a match. I want to have the best match I can with you. And the thing is, I may not be that good either. But I have more experience than you. And I barely have any experience. So what are the odds that that match is going to be good? Yeah. It might happen 10 times. And they may have one match that's like, holy shit, this is fucking great. But they might have six matches that are like, uh, you know, whatever. They're young. But they might have three matches that are the fucking drizzling shits. And hopefully somebody didn't get dropped on their fucking head. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know? Having four out of ten in that scenario is not a good number. If they were baseball yeah. players, four out of ten, man, they'd be in the Hall of fucking Fame. <laughs> if they were a quarterback, they would be on the fucking bench. So four out of ten in a right. lot of different situations are totally different. Yeah. You know, you want to be at that point where at least, you know, ten matches against the same guy, no matter how many times you did it, you know, seven are passable. Yeah, You know, if, if two are great, awesome. But if, if seven out of ten matches are pretty decent, that's great. And if you have three fucking clunkers, okay. Now, out of the three clunkers, two were like, eh, that was, you know, could have been better. And one was the drizzling shits. That's where you want to be. Right. And that's why there's practice matches. That's why you have matches in front of the crowd. Uh, in front of the uh, no crowd. No crowd. I'm saying. Yep. Because... You know, when you're young and inexperienced and you fuck up, everything gets bigger. Everything goes faster. 
And now it's like, fuck, what do we do? <laughs> and that's what right. we've seen in some of the matches on Future Shock. Uh, and you've seen a couple matches that started off, everything looked good. But, 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 but. I'm like, wow, pretty impressive. Then all of a sudden there's a fucking clunker spot. And then all of a sudden it's like the, uh, the confidence level drops. Kind of lost in the ring. What the fuck are we going to do next? Because you don't have a ring general like a Gregory Sharp or a Damian right. Vandergrift who've gone through this. They've gone through the drizzling shit matches and how to try to turn things around. You know, we saw it. We saw it with, with big spots in, in, in the Rumble, you know, Fresco and Toa, you know, miscommunication, whatever it was, you kind of dropped them and fell. And, you know, you're going to have guys at Hammerstone's going to, it's going to happen to here and there, but they, they're going to know how to make sure that that one little blemish doesn't ruin the whole match. Right. Which it's a lot easier to do when you got two young people in there that they, one spot screws up and then it starts going downhill and then they're not able to get it back. And now it's just like, where's the fucking finish line? Let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and that's also, I think, one of those things. If you get the FSW network, um, one of the reasons to get the network is to check out the future shocks. Because not only are you going to see guys who are going to eventually potentially be future stars in the business, but you're also going to see that, uh, you know, that idea of, um, just kind of getting an idea of where you see guys and, and where they are currently and did something go wrong? How did they cover it? You can start, you know, really kind of evaluating. Right. You, you, you can see when Lacey Ryan had to get carried by a Matt Vandergriff, you know? Right. Of course. <laughs> and as we stated, it's like, okay, uh, we had pay-per-view buys. So if you bought the pay-per-view, you got to send me a message. Send me an email at lvfuturestars at yahoo.com. Let me know. Show me that you bought the pay-per-view, and we will give you one month free of the FSW Network starting yeah. December 1st, which will give you the opportunity to not only watch Future Shock on the 3rd, you'll be able to watch the show on the 17th, uh, high octane seasons beatings are our our, our our traditional uh Christmas show. You know, who knows? Maybe uh MK is going to be the Grinch this year. <laughs> MK will try to be the Grinch who stole Christmas. Uh, and Graves, will be, and Graves will be Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I really. How how much of a pay bump does Graves get to dress as Santa Claus? Because I kind of want to see that pay bump. He gets to if he gets to beat up MK, he's got to give me a pay a pay a pay, a pay drop. <laughs> you know that's a, that's a fun moment for him. That's a, yeah, that's a gimme. That's that's and true. you know New Year's Eve we may do. Uh, hey, buy it on the pay per view. Maybe we'll do a discount. Maybe we'll do a you know a ten dollar. Uh, Five dollar, whatever, a pay per view, just to, you know, get it out there. People sitting home on 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 New Year's Eve, you know, yeah. WWE is not doing that day one on January first. 
you know, get your wrestling fix. The countdown to midnight. Yeah. You know, you get to, you know, maybe maybe you get to have Graves, you know, do the uh, the New Year's countdown. I'm so glad you didn't say be the New Year's baby, because that was another. <laughs> to see Graves come out. Anyway. That would be Bodie. Bodie would be the New Year's baby. <laughs> So, so is is Father New Year then the the old New Year guy? Is that Sin Bodhi? And then he he becomes Bodhi at uh, midnight. Hey, there you go. See, you're booking matches as we speak, <laughs> booking angles oh, and storylines. <laughs> oh man, um, everyone, thank you for tuning in and listening. Uh, any final thoughts, Joe? Uh, before we uh, say goodbye. Uh, I, I'm excited with the with the month of uh, December has to offer. You know, always like doing the New Year's show. It, you know, it, it's amazing that there's so many people that like, hey, who's coming out from Cali? And you know, even a limelight has you know made a you know at least you know asked about it. Like, hey, that might be pretty cool to to do something on on New Year's Eve, and you know. Wrestlers are wrestlers, you know, despite it being New Year's Eve and, and you know, hey, honey, sorry, I'm going to be in Vegas uh, wrestling. Uh, nope, Joe couldn't get us a room, so I have to drive back. So uh, I'll be driving back at 12.07. So happy New Year's. I'll see you later. Or, you know, find somebody to stay at their house or something. Yeah. So, yeah, so excited about it. We got the big guns, man. It's like, usually it's like, okay, so we got a high octane. Uh, we got high octane in January. We got a high octane in December. You know, I don't have to worry. I know I won't have Hammerstone and a couple of those guys on this show so I can make room for this guy. And it's like, oh, shit. You know, we're going to have, like, all our champions at, like, all our shows. So... Yeah it really makes those opportunities even more important because you're, you're, you're not going to get two or three opportunities. You're going to get one or two and yeah. in some cases zero or one. So if you do get any, any positioning to do something like the Arizona crew, you know, Hey, you guys need us. You need us. You need us. And it's like, well, you know, if you can do new years, I get it, but, Driving into Vegas might not be five and a half hours. It might be eight and a half hours. Yeah. So it might not be something you guys want to do. And, you know, Future Shock. Hey, we got anything for Future Shock? I'm not sure. I got some new talent. So I might be trying to, you know, give those guys spots instead of the Koas and the Devin Renos and the Blair Brodies who basically – would wait for a future shock because that's when they knew they were getting their opportunity, but they've kind of been upgraded into the main roster to now it's like, okay, well, if you can do this show, great. If you can do that show, give me, give me a few days because I'm going to put the card together and yeah. see what we need. Cause it was even about new year's that it was a potential that all of them were interested in coming in because if they're not wrestling for Dom, they're not really wrestling. You know, yeah. there's places where Dom, like I know they get their pre-show matches and they've gotten on the PCW Ultra shows, 
because Dom and, is a major part of that. Right. So their, their, their opportunities are limited. So they're going to get a possible, you know, they'll get one or two shows with Dom. So if they can get on two shows with me, it, it expedites their experience level. So, yeah. you know, they're generally looking to work every show they can, you know, unless, hey, one's out of town. Like, I think uh, Brody hit me up about, hey, you being out of town for one of the holidays, you know, maybe a New Year's or, or, or whatever it was. But yeah. generally, they're always available. So, yeah. you know, I got some big things happening on the 17th. Uh, like I said, I know uh, the regular crew is going to be on hand with, with Hammerstone. Uh, I assume Graves, but I, I got to make sure there's something for him. You know, I can't just yeah. say, hey, come on down. And then, oh, wait, uh, let me figure. Yeah, you could just walk out with Hammerstone. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Graves doesn't feel like doing that, you know. And and if he did, I'd have to blame you for it. So that way he could <laughs> confront you and not me. So, yeah, you know, Jordan Cruz is booked on the 17th. I got, uh, as of right now, Koa Brody and uh, Devin Reno booked for the 17th. I got Hammerstone booked. I got Vandegrift booked. I'm probably going to have Sharp booked. I have TBD booked. So it's like, all right, let me see where we got. Damian Drake, is he available? Because, you know, you always got your top guys that you're on a high octane, you're looking to work. It's a bonus when Matt Vandegrift and Damian Drake and Jacob Austin Young or Nick Bugatti want to work a future shock because it gives the younger guys an opportunity. But right. this, the high octane type shows, the 17th, the 31st, the January 13th, is when I really would need them two out of the three times. Right. So, and now when you're getting commitments from a Danny Limelight, well, Danny Limelight, obviously, uh, despite people saying I'm clowning him on my podcast uh, understands that. Uh, yeah. I had a little heat with him. I told you about that, that uh, he didn't listen to the podcast because I was just telling you about how overzealous he was with all the, 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 the 3 million ideas that he had. And it got back to him. Like I thought he was, I thought he was joking, but he was like, Oh yeah, well, you, you know, I'm like, it's all good, brother. Nothing but love. He's like, oh no, I hear you're clowning me. And it's like, dude, listen for yourself. I'm not clowning you. You know, just busting some balls, you know, fellow little Puerto Rican, you know what I mean? And it's like, you know, chill out, brother. Like, of all people, it was like him <laughs> being feeling hurtful. Yeah, the Puerto Rican option would talk shit to everybody. And and especially, you know, I think that there's there's no doubt that Limelight is absolutely one of uh our favorites. I mean, yeah. Uh, he's just he's he's incredible to watch. He's dynamite on the mic. And um, you know, <laughs> you look at what he's been able to do in the short time. I mean, his you know, his career is not that long. It's so impressive, um, and he's he's got a talented daughter as well. It's you know Danny's one of those guys who, if you if you look at how to, you know, 
where to get to in your life, you follow what Danny did, and it's it's amazing. Plus, he's he served too. It's like you know, a, a, a military. I, I have the biggest. You know, I thought when we were working things out that we were going to have the biggest intergender match. It was going to be Cross and Scarlet against Morrison and Taya. But now I have a bigger intergender tag match. Danny Limelight and his daughter against Brandon Gatson and his daughter. His daughter. That's yeah. the money intergender tag match that we're talking about in 2023. So I know I better book it before Dave Marquez steals it from me. You know yeah. what I'm saying? <laughs> that's that's the matchup. Yeah, get it get it here in Vegas and not in uh, Irvine at the uh, the Improv. That's right. or... We want it at the Improv. We want it. We want it live in Las Vegas. <laughs> because you know how many right. pay per views we can get from you know we got uh, Gatson's daughter doing the uh, the girl group. We can yeah. even have a special performance. There you go. By the girls. Yeah. But Danny Limelight, no, I don't think he can rap. We'll have Chris Bay step in and do a guest rap spot. You know, you, you really are on the verge of putting together the first uh, – Vegas wrestling showroom show, you know, Tropicana, maybe something like that, you know, get the stage. Uh, very much like uh, Apollo, like Apollo Creed in uh, Rocky Four, you know, that just ridiculous big Vegas setting. Yeah, you know, it, it's definitely, you know, it'll take us back to WrestleMania one with Cindy Lauper, you know, the. The rock and wrestling. Well, this could be, you know, the girl group and wrestling connection. Yeah, there you go. And uh, and who who knows, man? Maybe you could get like a BTS to come in. And uh, no, I heard they're going into military. They have to go on pause. Right. I heard that's right. Wow. Not that well, they're going to actually. So they're going to the military to perform for the troops. So why right. not just have them perform the troops every once in a while and still do their thing? I don't understand it. You know, it's a different military uh, over there uh, in terms of how you have to, you know, approach and be in the military. So that's interesting that, yeah. I'll tell you what, right. you know, they could make peace. They could just send BTS to North Korea to perform a concert. And it could be like, you know, a union of love. And they could be the, they could be the peacemakers. <laughs> I you know, l listen. Yeah, if Dennis it's Rodman, not, I, I can solve the world's crises. Yeah, if Dennis Rodman can uh, get in there, I'm sure your idea of uh, BTS and world peace is not too far off. So that's what I'm saying. You know, they 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 combine with uh, the Gangnam Style guy, and they make one big peace wow. concert. <laughs> yeah, you you there's a there's a match that you just brought up now that hit me right away. Psy, that you know, Gangnam style guy. I'm yeah, sure yeah, that, that's it. That's his name. Yeah, I'm sure he's available. Him versus Santana Jackson. I want to see that one in 23. 
that that to me would be the uh the ultimate uh pop showdown right there yeah i might have to get santana uh, on one of these shows coming up i'm pretty sure his uh, calendar is booked up for new year's eve you know that dude hustles man it's like yeah. like he did it he had to do his mj show before the wrestling match on sunday no sorry I think he had to do something else, not the MJ. But then he did that, and then afterwards maybe it was the MJ, but he had to leave to go do another gig. But it's weird. He gets, like, all these side gigs Yeah. to do it. So, yeah, yeah he gets – Yeah, you know, he's a good dude. It's like – Yeah. I, I know Carlito worked him a month ago, and then, you know, some people shit on people or whatever, and but – that was the first thing Carlito did was go to him because they were going to be in the rumble together, you know? And yeah. the idea was, was to do something. And like I said, man, the crowd, the crowd was fucking livid yeah. when Carlito tossed uh, Santana. So definitely something there. Yeah. All right, everyone. Thank you for tuning in this week. Again, uh, remember you can uh, catch the fight TV pay-per-view uh, replay of uh against all odds if you'd like 14.99 on fight tv and wow, we went uh, long like the old days i'll tell you yeah <laughs> uh, yeah hey man uh, all we need now we is we even get to talk about the teddy hart documentary we're gonna have to save that for well, next week i was gonna say we'll do that next week because because uh that way we'll have seen you know the whole three episodes and uh you know be able to uh to really kind of uh, get into that and dive into that. So expect that next week, everyone. Um, and if you haven't checked it out yet, it's on Peacock. Uh, you know, it's right up there. First thing you see on the page right now. Um, and uh, it is fascinating. Uh, no matter what your opinions are of Teddy Hart, or if you don't know much about Teddy Hart or anything about him, check it out on Peacock. It's, it's, very fascinating um and uh i did see uh what in one of the uh, wrestling clips you, you saw brian cage in the background so yes uh, i i did I, I saw brian cage i saw uh the reality of wrestling booker t's company's uh ring skirts yeah so so there's some uh there's some good stuff in there for indie fans as well. Yeah, there, uh, there's three episodes. I'm almost done with the second one. So next week I can have a full review. I posted about it on Facebook and happened to see that it was on. I you know, I'd heard about it and little insight. Uh I guess Teddy lives in Florida now and he goes to my buddy Pete's strip club a lot. So uh they, they they've talked a lot and uh, I'm not sure how it's going to work out, but, but Teddy's looking at this as his next comeback that after that, uh, airs that he's going to be a wanted man in a different way. And I guess I better finish episode three, but I'm not sure it's looking good for a, another wrestling comeback for Teddy Hart. Yeah. Um, that's, uh... Well, may hey, Joe, you know, maybe FSW is uh, the place where he can make his comeback, huh? Yeah, we'll, we'll discuss that in the future. We'll leave that as the cliffhanger for the day. 
All right, everyone. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Have a good week, everybody. Biggest bad boys of podcasting. <laughs>